Well, 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 Chandler. Hello, I'm so happy to be here with you on this gorgeous day together as sisters in the sisterhood of life. I mean, we're recording virtually, so I'm really just, you know, sitting in my office dispatching across the airwaves to you, but it feels good to be here at least in MP3 or in, in audio format together. It, it does feel good to be here, you know, together with you in MP3, Lauren. That's really technically that completely inaccurate, but let's just right. roll with it. Let's just roll with um, it. You know, we're not audio engineers. We never pretended to be. No, certainly not. If if people listen to the sound quality of this podcast, they will know that immediately. I know. It's like, what, what episode should we tell people to start on if they want to like listen to our podcast and not have their ears bleed? Like start on what, episode um, never, 30? Just never listen. <laughs> the just thing is, is I think that actually most of our, like not our, our best content, but some of our best content is for sure the early episodes right. where we're telling like iconic childhood stories that we can only tell once, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And it was before we were properly set up audio wise. Uh, it's truly unfortunate, but let's get positive. Let's okay. get, let's talk about good news. Good news. Do you have good news? Do you have any? <laughs> I'm like, I hope you got something because I don't. Tell me about your weekend. Oh, so my weekend was amazing. I've had a lot of friends in town and it was like a little bit tiring going all around town. Maybe this isn't interesting, but I think I'm bad at art in museums. Well, actually, I've always known this about myself that I'm just not like super riveted when I go. Maybe that's awful. I think that actually is an awful trait about myself. But it's just called not being cultured, not having, you know, an I mean, appreciation for. Are you telling me that when you go to a museum, you are completely riveted like you are when you sit in front of, you know, below deck Mediterranean? Oftentimes, no, but I certainly will become, you know, verklempt. Oh, my God. Depending on certain exhibitions. A hundred percent. So do you not well, I, you I never feel, feel that I, sensitivity? Are you just no, dead I inside? Do. I do. I have. I think I'm just not like. I think I have to really get there or I have to work to get to that place. Mm. And so for me, we were like, we went to like uh, an exhibit and I think it just took me a minute to get in that mode. It was also pretty hot and my stomach wasn't great. So yeah, I really have to be in like a a perfect state of homeostasis in order to appreciate art, which is something really sad about me and shows my, you know, frail constitution. I think I think when you talk about going to exhibits and art, it's just like it's so not dist- it's just not specific enough. I mean, because so many exhibits these days are like it's like a toilet seat with like a, a feather boa in an empty room, and it's like some like you know contemporary statement um, that makes no sense and is totally ineffable. Right. Well, it's about or like the you know state like of, that you know, modern fertility. Yes, it's, yes. It's yeah. a sophisticated rendering of the state of modern fertility Fertility that is beyond my understanding. But if you're standing in front of like Michelangelo's Pietà, you know, it's there's a, there's difference. There's a difference there. Right, right. I, um, I think so. It's something I want to get better at. So anyways, I think sometimes I feel like at a loss for how to react because I don't, I, I don't know. I don't understand the complexities or something. I don't know. This is very embarrassing for me to admit over the airwaves. Just so everyone knows, I'm being pretty vulnerable because I'd like to give off the, the you know, impression that I at least like I'm somewhat cultured. I don't think anyone's under that illusion. And I don't think that, um, <laughs> I don't think that there's any wool has been pulled over anyone's eyes, so to speak. And so right? I wouldn't worry about it. Just, I, you know, no worries. Can I tell you, speaking of art, spe- you know, do you remember when Alex McCord on season two of Roni or season one said that 
her and Simon, they don't buy art. They wear art. They spend their money on their clothes, which are art. Uh, I don't remember remember that, but that's interesting because I don't remember her clothes being all that, you know, exhibit worthy. I've been rewatching the early seasons of Real Housewives of New York. I highly recommend it. It's yeah, some incredible entertainment. Kagan and I watched like four episodes together on Saturday. Wow. Middle afternoon, wow. Kagan was riveted. He was like, this is excellent television. So Kagan said the words, this is excellent television. Just making sure I have uh, this right. He might not. I think I said the words, this is excellent television, isn't it? And then I think he said, yes. Okay, so, that's a little different <laughs> for the record, but yeah. I will just say that he wasn't even on his phone. Like four episodes straight, he's actually watching. Um, okay, that's so pretty, amazing. That's huge. And he, yes, and he. I mean, he just kept going on and on about Luann, which is hilarious. He's but like, he thinks she's really hot. Oh yeah, he's like, she hasn't aged a day. Oh my girl, Luann, she's back on the screen. That is true. She actually has not aged a day. She's only gotten better looking. I will yeah. say. The finest of wines, but I do want to talk to you. Let's bring it back to wearable art. I sent you a picture this morning of a black dress. Okay. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. Can Can you please describe this dress to our listeners? Um, it's a midi dress. It's tight mm-hmm. fitted. Fitted. It's mm-hmm. off the shoulder, and it mm-hmm. has a a big. I don't even know. Shoulder ruffle fabric ruffle. Like both. Like the whole top part is basically this huge shoulder ruffle. It's very chic, I would say. Very uh, like sculptural, avant-garde. It's really pretty. It's very distinctive. I would say it's very. It's a very modern dress. Okay, um, and I thought that this was the perfect dress to wear in my engagement photo shoot with Kagan. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's going to be in a black suit. The vibe is very much like I want it's it to upscale. be like. It's Calvin Klein romance ad. That's my that's my journey. That's my aesthetic. Goal oh, I was going to say Black House White Market. How dare you? <laughs> um, I you know I wanted something that's just a little bit more. It's a little bit more distinctive, okay, than a lot of the stuff I see out there. Mm-hmm. I wanted something just a little more elevated. Um. Anyway, I showed him this dress after I'd already bought it. By the way. Naturally, and, sounds exactly like you. Mm-hmm. After and I was like, just we ordered it in three different sizes. I was like, just so you know, I, I, th- this is what I'm going to wear for our engagement shoot. And he was like, you're obviously you're kidding. He's like, you're kidding. I'm like, no, this is what I'm wearing. He was like, I wouldn't say angry, but he was like, no, you're not not going to wear that. Like, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. It's like one of the most overtop things I've ever seen. He was like, I'm. He's like, no. Like, he like, kind of got heated over it. Like, that's how much he hates I mean, his dress. You are talking to the guy who wants you in billabong graphic tees and cutoffs. No, let's, I know. And let's remember where we are. I, I know, but still, it's like, so then he's like, all right, fine. If you wear that, I'm wearing a top hat. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he basically said he's going to come dressed as Abraham Lincoln if I wear <laughs> this outfit, which I told him, I was like, hello, like, what I what I have is could be in the pages of Vogue in 2021. Right. A top hat? No. You can wear anything in the pages of Vogue in 2021. You are not allowed to wear a top hat during engagement no. photos. And that's yeah. no offense to Kagan, but he has maybe one of the most elementary understandings of fashion that I've ever seen and with my with my naked eyes, frankly. Okay. Ever witnessed. It's just so funny. And so it's truly become like a domestic dispute. Um oh and my gosh. apparently I'm not allowed to wear this. And so I'm very disappointed and uh, 
But it just the saga continues, honestly. I mean, this I just, is so incredibly like light under a bushel does not even come close. I just don't understand why he has no fashion sense whatsoever. I'm really just laying into him, like Kagan with I say this with all due respect. Um, no fashion <laughs> sense whatsoever. And so the fact that he would try to limit your fashion sense because he has none is just a truly serious sin. And maybe she give you pause about, you know, being yoked Upcoming up this upcoming nuptials mm-hmm. here's the thing he just doesn't like like distinctive fashion because i think he thinks because it's he like has ostentate no. he thinks it's like ostentatious and it's basically like like being like oh i'm so special everyone needs to look at me like that's his that's what how he thinks of well that's the difference fashion. between people like him and people like me yeah and it's like exactly i am so special of course everyone should look, look at me also this is your wedding it's not Duh. like this is something you're gonna wear to like you know a beach party I exactly. It's not like I'd be wearing this to like Golden Spoon on a Monday afternoon with his friends. Like this is going to be very much appropriate for the occasion. Yeah. But no. I mean, it's just funny because I do feel like Ben always wants me to dress a little bit more. Uh, he always wants me to dress a little bit classier, I think. Oh, really? Like he wants you to be a little bit more formal. Mm, formal feels like the wrong word, but I feel like he is just a little bit more like uh, like classy, slightly more preppy, like taste for like it's just an for me go ahead yeah i honestly think it's an east coast versus west coast sensibility like kagan likes a west coast Mm -hmm. casual eating a burrito on the side of the road in a surf town vibe and i like um a hamptons party on a sun on a you know where exactly on the east coast have you lived no i'm just saying for the vibe for the vibe that i'm going for it's hamptons party at dusk right black tie that's yeah. my that's the vibe I like. Yeah. Also, your wedding is gonna be black tie. You have to like set that tone with your engagements. I don't wanna wear a dress that I feel like is like I could wear other times. Like I want it to be special. Yeah. I want it yeah. to be distinctive. I want my grandkids to be like, oh my gosh, isn't grandma an icon? Okay. Right. And Kagan wants our drink grandchildren to be like, did grandma have a job or a home <laughs> when they took these photos? Was she like in between summer camps when she took these photos? Exactly. Exactly. It's very unfortunate. So anyway, the saga continues. Okay. Well, keep me posted. Let me know if you, you need this to crash or something. Thank you. I will. Mm-hmm. It's not off the hey, table. Kagan, if you're listening, I meant everything I said, but still welcome to the family. <laughs> okay. We need to discuss, we have an amazing interview today with David Yontef, the host of Behind the Velvet Rope podcast. He's had you guys like Luann. I mean, he's literally had he's a big deal. housewife on his pod. Yes. Yeah. His podcast is a big deal. We really lucked out getting him on. And so if you are into all things Bravo, you will love this interview because he spills the tea. And we talk about Heather Dubrow. We talk about Erica Jane. We really get into it. It's a really fun interview. And you can hear about behind the scenes of actually being friends with these people and what's that, what that is like. So it's a really fun interview. And if you don't watch any Bravo, honestly, it's probably not the interview for you. We'll catch you next week. Yeah. But it's right, a great deep dive. I have no idea dive. what we're talking about. It's a great deep dive. And David has like very hot takes and lots of juicy things to share. So very good. Totally. Worth a listen. Yes. And with that, we'll cut to the interview. Let's take a little moment for one of our phenomenal sponsors, Spade and Sparrows. Spade and Sparrows is a wine brand Lauren and I both adore for many reasons. Okay. Obviously it tastes amazing. My personal favorite is the rosé, but also it's a wine that we feel proud to display on our countertop. 
We're just two gals who really appreciate a gorgeous label. And honestly, when it comes to wine, you know, this type of thing matters. You need to feel like a five-star person as you brandish a bottle in front of your friends. Things like that matter to us, and they should matter to you, frankly. Spade and Sparrows is created by Caitlin Bristow. She's a Bachelor Nation star and fellow podcaster. This wine was made for women by women, which just makes it that much more amazing. Spade and Sparrows is available in select liquor stores across Canada, as well as select Walmarts in California. It's also available online at spadeandsparrows.com. Enter code POP15 at checkout to receive 15% off your first purchase. Well, 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 we are joined today by the, and tell me if I'm pronouncing this correctly, David Yontef of the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. I don't know who, you know, swindled you into this appearance, but we are grateful for that magician wherever they be, wherever they are. Well, thank you for having me. So happy you're here with us. David, one of the things that I love about your podcast is that you have essentially everyone in the business, or at least in the reality TV business on your podcast, like the pedigree of clients. I think I wrote this in our email exchanges, but we are like sharing rarefied airspace right now because you have talked to literally everyone. So, and you put out episodes five days a week, which is just beyond impressive. Well, you're too kind, Lauren. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've I've had a moment, right? I've kind of had a moment and everyone seems to want to come on and chat these days, which I'm not arguing about. I want to take it back to the beginning. Let's go to your Genesis story. You were originally an attorney and you left your career in law um, and ended up as a, you know, really pop culture podcaster. So please, can you share that that journey for us? I mean, there were a few steps in between, but yes, I did used to practice corporate tax law. I always say, like, I'm a closet smart person. I just don't really <laughs> want to talk about anything smart. You know, Absolutely. I just want to talk about, you know, I don't need, you know, listen, you know, it's like when they say, you know, look at all these housewives that talk about all the money they have. And if you scratch the surface, there's no money. Like people that really are rich don't talk about it. So mm -hmm. I'm smart. Okay. I don't need to prove I'm smart. I don't need to yeah. like, I can sit around and listen to people have an intelligent conversation. I'm not interested. Sorry. Been there, done that. <laughs> you know, I practice law. I'm a CPA. I, I just, whatever, no interest. So there were a few steps in there. Like I went into recruiting and I had my own recruiting company and I ran HR at a bunch of companies. I actually worked for Martha Stewart. Oh, well, yes. her okay. HR department. So I worked for a bunch of companies doing HR and recruiting. And then like all the companies kept merging. And then when my last company merged, I was just like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I want to take a moment out. You know, and I started like hanging out with these reality TV people. Now, I was always a fan of reality TV right from the beginning, like The Simple okay. Life, The Hills, Laguna Beach. That was all my jam. And anything really pop culture, like growing up, like 90210, Melrose Place. So it's no shock that, I mean, I just, that was me. I loved pop culture. So when I started hanging out with all of these reality TV folks, and listen, it's not that hard. I mean, we're not talking, this is, this is not Beyonce. It's not, you know, Rihanna and Lady Gaga. Yeah. They are accessible. And yes, it does help that I live in New York City and I have all this stuff in my backyard. Right. You know, I just was like, this is, this has to be some type of business. Like the more I didn't work, the more I was like, I don't think I'm done working in my life. Like I need to do something. 
And that's really where the name behind the velvet rope comes from, from my podcast. Like when I started my podcast, it really was two days a week. One day was going to be an interview and one day was going to be a story. Like my pilot episode is a story about me in Florida having a dinner with Dolores Catania, Rick Leventhal, Kelly Dodd, and Ramona Singer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. And like this dinner is exactly what, right. Like, oh my gosh, like exactly what you're thinking is pretty much how the dinner was. Ramona is literally seated, has the whole brand, you know, cut open and is on her second martini before any of us even sit down. <sighs> Dolores. Right. Like Dolores probably didn't necessarily want to sit next to Ramona. Kelly and Rick are in their own world. And I'm like, right. exactly what you think is happening is what's happening. And I'm like, you know, this is how I, it's almost like when you're a child of a celebrity, like at some point you realize like, okay, my life is not like the others, but you mm -hmm. don't realize that for a while because like, it's your life. Like you don't think it's anything wonderful and special. So that was kind of the genesis for my podcast. I was like, these things, these like stories, this existence, which is kind of like my everyday, I think like the outside world, like not even like with an ego, like people might find this stuff interesting. And that's really where like the name behind the velvet rope came from. I'm like, I don't necessarily fight. Yeah. And it's like, I don't really find this so interesting. I mean, it's fun because I'm having my second martini myself, but like these little nuances of what I'm sitting here watching, like there's no filming. It's like, I think this is like these little stories people would probably find interesting. And then that's when I put out my first episode and I'm like, oh, I guess people do find this interesting. That's kind of the genesis of how it started. And then, right. And then COVID hit. And then that's when I was like, I couldn't keep up with content. And then I really went from like two days a week to three days a week to four days a week. And now it has turned into like the five day a week. No more stories. Those are on my Patreon, not a shameless plug for my Patreon, but it's more like if you want to hear a story, there it is. And it's really turned into like a five day a week interview podcast, which is like, I am now like a journalist. It's not about mm -hmm. me. Like I don't talk about myself on my show. You know, I might interject a little something, but it's really like I'm coming to interview these people and get the tea for the listeners. It's turned into a whole different thing. I think what's so interesting, so you were already friends with these people. And I also know that you, I don't know if this is still happening, but at one point you were planning on writing a book on how to become friends with reality stars. Is that still in the works? Well, let me put it this way. The book itself is technically written. Okay. It's, it's written. Like if I can just find somebody to handle it and take it over, or I can find five minutes in my day, it's something that I want to come back to. I probably have to now go back in and, you know, change a few things and update a few things, but the book is written. I mean, there's no buts about it. Like, yeah, I think it needs some edits, but there is a book just sitting there basically. Yes. Can you reveal, and you don't have to give everything away, but the brass tacks for our listeners who are social climbers, who, you know, are the Alex McCords in the room and who would like to, become friends with some D-listers, maybe even more, maybe even above that, what <laughs> your advice is? I mean, listen, we love the Alex McCords in the room. Um, I, I really should just self-publish this damn book and put it out and like- <laughs> You really should. You know, I mean, I can sell copies. I mean, come on now. But yeah, I mean, I would say start on the D-list. That's like a good place to start. You know, mm -hmm. like there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with the D-list. Listen. Start small. Yeah, start small and you have to be 
like persistent and don't spread yourself too thin. Like you need to pick say one to three targets maybe. And look, <laughs> it is organic, right? Like you're not going to just be able to like to become friends with everyone. Like it is organic. Like someone does have to like you, you know? Right. So everyone says like, everyone says to me now, like, Oh my God, like all your friends are like on TV, but I'm like, that's just because I'm a workaholic. Like, and so I mean, that's what I do all day. So yeah, it makes sense that all my friends are in this reality space now because I work all the time. But to get there, I would start on the D list and like I would just, well, there's two ways to do it, but I really think you you need to put yourself in harm's way, so to speak. Like <laughs> yeah. you need to, sh listen, this is not, it's 2021. Like you can find where someone's going to be every day, all day, if you really want to. So you know, right. like yes, that's so true. Oh my gosh, honestly, literally stalk people. We're literally in the yes. world of Dumois, you know, like stay up on Dumois, see where the celebrities are going to be and then go there immediately. Yeah, go there immediately. And like, yeah, you know, some people could say, well, this is stalking, but you know, you're achieving a goal. So right. <laughs> you can't, you gotta just like, I, this is just how I ran all my businesses. It's how I run my podcast. I'm very... I'm like a Bethany Frankel when it comes to work. Like, I don't care how we get there, just get there. So it, the end result is who cares if people are saying you're stalked or whatever, you just gotta go for it and pick a few people. And just listen, the more you show up somewhere and it's, it's an organic thing, you're not gonna talk to someone and they're not just gonna say, I like you. You just, it's a, it's a the 10th time someone speaks to you, they just are like, yeah, I kind of know you now. And then it just kind of <laughs> happens. The 10th you know, time you're girl, outside their house, they're going to say they know exactly, you. <laughs> exactly. That girl shows up in every place. I, I imagine she's always lurking in the corner. That girl with that shitty Madewell bag that looks like, you know, it's from 10 years ago. She's always in the corner lurking. I mean, this is so organic. I, I need to be her friend. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, what's the word? It's like a structured, organic relationship. Right. but. You do then, I mean, yeah, it starts one way, but you do cross over to the other side. And then like for me, eventually, and this is all in the book too, it's a whole trajectory of like, wait a second, be careful what you wish for. Like, hey, I don't like you. Like, I'm glad you're my friend, housewife mm -hmm. number three. I, I don't like you. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to move on from you. So it's right. like, this is in the book too. It's like when you it's listen, it's, it's a lot of chapters. Like eventually <laughs> you get to the like, yeah, I'm not so sure I'm interested in you either. Do you ever find that people, I mean, I find this a lot of the time people think of podcasting as a hobby and you're like, Oh no, this is a job, honey. Like this is a full job. Totally. And like when people ask me what I do, I literally say I'm the host of a successful podcast mm -hmm. and they laugh and I'm like, no, 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 I'm not, there's no ego. I'm just explaining that. Like, if I tell you that I'm that this is what I do, you're gonna look at me like I'm like starving in the street. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Right, right. Yes, everyone looks at it as a hobby and laughs and is like, "Oh, that's cute." How fun! <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, it's a job. lot of work." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Well, speaking of someone who's not starving on in the street, Heather Dubrow, I'm really <laughs> dying as to your thoughts on Heather Dubrow. Um, I know you've had her and Terry on your podcast. We are huge fans of Heather um, and very curious, though, as to your thoughts on her coming back, what you think of her in general, um, and also want to know where you think the Dubrow fortune comes from. So 
Please, well, wherever you want to start. I mean, I, yes, look, the stars aligned and I got to have Heather and Terry on the podcast. That is the interview that keeps giving because there have been 8,000 new articles written in the past literally week about Heather coming back and she started filming and it has nothing to do with me. This is also like what I've learned about the media and every, in the article it says, Heather said, I'm behind the velvet rope and David Yontef never say never. She said it other places, but somehow my podcast has gotten that. So every time Heather is now like this whole resurgence, it's like a whole new wave of press. And I mean, like People Magazine, it's just like you're doing nothing and oh you're, like, your gosh. Google Alerts is going off and you're like, this is how it works. Like, this is the interview that just keeps giving. I haven't spoken to Heather and Terry in like a year. <laughs> I, listen, I get it. I, there's, listen, there's nobody to me that they could have brought back from the OC past that would change the show as much as Heather, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. she just, it's like you joke and Tamara says fancy pants, but it's true. Heather elevates this show. Period. She she's right. not, she's in a different level. If she is, right. it's that simple. I mean, she's I have a, a lot of echelon, for sure. Go ahead. I mean, well, and then I think, and this is just me. This is not me like with my inside information behind the velvet. This is just my, the way I think. I think that A, she got at least a million dollars to come back. I, I do. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, she doesn't need the money. So right. I think that she got, they're like, we need you. Obviously, she's made it very clear she'll never work with Kelly Dodd. I think that, I'm not so sure Kelly would have had a job anyway, but... I think that was like, okay, done. Like, I think this is how the conversation went. Okay, you want Kelly gone, done. You want, you know, six figures, done. Like, what else do you want? I think, and I, there's nothing, nobody has, there's no reason that I should think this. I think that she might have had a, like, you know, Bronwyn is not my cup of tea. Like, I, you can get rid of her too. Oh, really? It's just the way I think. Listen, I don't think Bronwyn would have necessarily had a job. So it's like, I just think yeah. like, it's things that would have happened anyway, but I just, I don't know if, I can't see Heather wanting to film with Ronan. That's my own analysis. Nobody has ever said that. I've never read it. I don't hear, I just, that's how I think. I kind of feel it. like uh, Heather is like the West Coast Bethany to some degree. I've said that so many times. You know, I think she is. Like she's kind of pulling the strings a little bit. She has Andy's ear or whoever. And not for nothing. I mean, the production mm -hmm. company is Evolution and that's botched. So... Interesting. I'm not like, listen, I don't think entertainment is based on favors. Like I don't just, that's not how it works, but I mean, I don't think it hurts. Like, I just yeah. think it was an easy, like you want to come back. Like, I mean, okay, we'll like make the call to Andy. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. evolution botched is huge. It's a, I mean, Terry's like a huge thing. And it's Ian is like, it's a related network i mean i'm not saying that's why she's back i don't i mean i think if you're not right for the show they don't care if your husband yeah, is the right. most successful but it's just a very easy transition but I, I agree i think that she is like the west coast bethany and that she doesn't need the show if heather goes yeah. back and is not happy she will quit it's mm -hmm. very simple mm -hmm. there's like how many people can say like kathy hilton bethany you don't need the fame and you don't need the money a and b you don't need either you have right. both so okay, that's, that's why it's great. Though. Like, where does this Dubrow le level of wealth come from? Because, like, okay, it's one thing to be a plastic surgeon, to do a bunch of boob jobs, 
But that doesn't really get you this huge mansion on the hill, flying in private jets, building a re- basically another resort in Idaho. We're a little bit baffled because knowing that reality, you know, yeah, a million bucks a year is great. It doesn't get you to where Heather and Terry are. And so is Bosch providing the gravy train? Is QVC mm-hmm. providing the gravy train? Are they like- um is like Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig? Like spending every dime they have and maybe- bu- you know, stealing from Peter to pay Paul, please uncover this for us. I don't know. I always just, cause I talk about money with housewives all the time. I Patreon. I always just thought Heather and Terry, like it's weird as I question, I think that 99% of the housewives we see do not have a pot to piss in. When mm-hmm. you listen, if you live in a seven million dollar house and you know, you haven't paid your mortgage, then to me you're broke. Like, yeah, it's right. just that simple. So I do think like the Dorit's and the PKs of the world are broke as a joke. I don't care right. if their outfit costs $15,000. I don't buy it. Right. I've always just thought Heather and Terry were the real deal and had, I mean, you don't think like but a top why? plastic surgeon that's booked. And look, I mean, I grew up upper middle class. So it's not like I'm like, oh my God, like I think like, you know, a dollar is like a million dollars. But I don't know. I mean, can't you get it if you're a top plastic surgeon? Like, we're not talking like Jennifer Aiden's husband. We're talking like wait list. I mean, Terry was really like, look at Paul Nassif, like yeah. even before botched, like they have money. I mean, a top surgeon now, you don't think so? And I mean, like I the books like and Nassif, the products. Well, yeah. I mean, I thought most of Paul, Paul Nassif's wealth before, you know, what came With from Adrian, Adrian Maloof's like family estate. So, and then I'm, you know, I assumed that that divorce was probably a good financial situation for him. I don't, I don't know. I think what's interesting about Heather Dubrow as wealth is that it's almost like Beverly Hills wealth in Orange County because most of the Orange County housewives live in like suburban tract homes that are like nice, but they're more like, you know, the two to four million dollar range. Yeah, totally. Versus like, you know, she's literally living in a sprawling, the mall you know, mansion and yes. Newport beach. And so it does, it feels like Beverly Hills wealth in orange County to me, which is it like a little funky. Like, no, it feels like that. And, you know, even like when Heather posts, I mean, she's posts, you know, she, her closet. And I mean, it's her outfits are like Dorit's. It's mm-hmm. like, if you really look, it's like Louis Vuitton shoes. And now I see a Louis Vuitton ring and I see a Cartier and I see like a bag. Oh wait, that's an Hermes bag. And like that she's taking a picture of her closet. I'm like, okay, so I'm noticing behind her, I see over there, there's like 17 Birkins. And so like, it's, there's a lot going on. And it's, it's it like, is. it's all the accoutrements. Like, like, it's like flying private, going to the private suite beforehand, you know, like every possible way to enhance one's life with wealth. Yeah. I feel like, like, sh- like she, like they are doing. And so I guess that's where for me, I'm just so baffled because even plastic surgery, plastic surgeon, top plastic surgeon, plus reality star on E, I don't know. It doesn't but, add up to that, I mean, but maybe I just don't understand those numbers, which is to, totally possible. To add to our theory from before, like I'm sure they, hus- her and Terry hustle, they do QVC. Like, I feel like there's a lot of like, uh, money-making strategies that they have underneath the surface or that are just not quite as uh, public-facing. Yeah. I mean, unless it's like, I mean, I don't, I've never heard of either of them having family money. I I mean, I know Terry's, I mean, I don't know, but I never really questioned it. So I don't know. Now, um, now you're making me think like, I don't know. I just, you know how you just get a feeling like 
you just have that feeling about PK and Dory. Mm-hmm. Like there's just, that doesn't seem, that doesn't add up to me. Right. I never got that about the Dubrows, really. I mean, there's right? something about Dory and PK where it's like, does their house have enough furniture? Like, is it actually decorated well? You know, it all feels like it's staged for that moment. Right. That like scene. that's like Jennifer Aiden's house that I've been in a million times. Like it's like the walls are like sheetrock and mm-hmm. it's like there's no furniture <laughs> anywhere. Like, so yeah, I don't know. I, I really, I mean, yeah, I've ne- it, it is, I've never really thought about them as anything but legitimate the Dubrows. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah. But well, it is, it's, it's a lot. I mean, it's no joke. It's a lot of money. It is it's a lot Hill's of money. money. It's private chef. It's driver. You know, when you go, when she went to do her podcast, she'd always have her driver, Pete, you know? Anyway, it's always been a mystery to me. I think there's more to uncover there. Um, so if you're a listener and you also are Heather Dubrow's accountant, please slide into our DMs, maybe mm-hmm. come on the pod. And I mean, um, not for nothing, you have four kids. So that ain't cheap. Yes, like, it's yeah. not like you have one child. You have four freaking children. Right. Okay. Adjacent question. You touched on that she probably didn't want to work with Bronwyn. That's a theory. Um, no hard facts. Do you agree with Kelly Dodd's accusation that Bronwyn's entire storyline is fake, that she wasn't actually an alcoholic and that she's not actually a lesbian? Well, I just had Elizabeth Vargas on my show too, mm-hmm. which everyone should listen to, whether you liked Elizabeth or not on the actual show. Um, I mean, listen, I, yeah, it doesn't seem like, okay, Bronwyn has said, I mean, in the media, it's not even like I'm, I mean, she said things like fame is addicting and I'm addicted to fame. And first of all, who says that, whether it's true or not, (laughs) but yeah, I, I don't really buy it. And I don't know if you like her and Sean just had a Facebook live. It's almost like at some point you're going to be like, who the fuck cares? Like we don't need to hold like a press conference, but because there's no other media that really wants to do this and speak to you. So Bronwyn and Sean held a press conference this week that she's moving to Hawaii and you know, they're taking, I'm like, you don't need to announce this to the world. Nobody cares. Like you already have this marriage that isn't traditional. Like, look, I'm all for like a non-traditional marriage and whatever, but yeah, I, I personally think it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, were you happy or were you pleased that Kelly was fired? Because I do think that the most interesting thing to watch on the show last season was Kelly Dodd, um, whether you agree with her or not or think she's problematic or not. So I'm curious, that aside, are you happy she's done or will you miss her and Rick you know, canoodling on screen? I almost like, I, I don't, I almost like am down the middle on this because the thing is like, I have no problem with Kelly or Rick. You know what I mean? Like I didn't mind her as much as so many people Mm -hmm. did. Like she's not as polarizing for me. I did think that she, like, I, I think, I mean, I think that's why like Dorinda is gone. Like I think, and this is why I think Shannon should have been gone. Like I think when you're, the same person and there's no change then we know what we're going to get from you always then I think it's time to go it's Does a one trick pony type of thing I mean Sonia to me is that way uh, but yes I have a lot to say about Sonia Morgan 
I think she's gotten a free pass for like five years because of Ramona, but that's a whole, we can get into that. But so I like, don't hate Kelly. I'm not like incensed because of her like stances and statements. Like, I don't even think personally that has any, I think maybe it has a tiny bit to do with it, but I don't think that we're Bravo when he fired Kelly Dodd because of a drunk wives matter hat and everything. I don't. I mean, I think that's good optics for Bravo, and we can let let people think that. I think the main reason she's fired, I think, is Heather. And I think she, like, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't help her case that she was doing all this stuff and had these speeches on COVID. I think that's part of it. And I think it's like, her storyline has kind of run. Like, mm-hmm. Kelly would have steamrolled over everyone next season. It would have been the same Kelly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she'll never change. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, like, that's when it's like, we know you. We know everything you're about, love you or hate you, but now there's nothing that's going to change and it's time to go. Right, right. I think you could say that about a lot of housewives. Like, you know, we kind of know what we're going to get from you. Like, I think that you could even say that about a Kyle Richards, but I do think that Kyle Richards in spite of the stability of her character and storyline is still an excellent housewife. Who's very compelling television. Yeah. But I think the difference is like Kyle to me is like Luann, like they blend, like Kyle can go blend and Luann can blend. Kelly, Dorinda don't blend. They overtake the situation. Like, in like almost like suck the air out of the room. And I like mm. Kelly. I do not like Dorinda in any way, in any shape oh, or any okay, form. Interesting. And I know that now everyone listening is going to say, well, like, doesn't Ramona do the same? But it's, it is different. It is different. Like it, there's a way to do it that has a humorous edge to it versus like just overpowering. So people are truly afraid of you. Yeah. Like I, I do think there's people that in a scene or just, we're afraid of like a Dorinda or a Ke- it just, it comes off like too harsh. Like Ramona and I, I, bounces I back. Don't, and I don't not like Kelly. I really don't mm-hmm. not like her. I just think it would have been more of the same. Like she would have overpowered and it's almost like, I don't think Heather would have been afraid of her. It's just that dynamic would have been too overpowering for the whole show. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yes, totally, totally. Um, can you please get into your feelings on Dorinda? One, Dor- one Dorinda Medley. Well, I mean, as a human being, I have, look, I have said this before too. Like I don't ever have teams based on the show. Like I can separate my personal feelings versus like what I watch on the show. As a right. human being, I have had interactions with Dorinda and I mean, they have never been pleasant. Like the Mm. nasty Dorinda you see on TV, I think is the nasty Dorinda that has existed in the world. And she has people that she's had in her life for a long time. So, but you know, I mean, she doesn't think much of me either and she's been rude to me. And I mean, I, I'm not here for it. Like, I think Dorinda's one of those like other people that just think she's better than us because she's on TV. And it's like, mm-hmm. girl, I don't want your life because you're miserable. Yeah. So I wouldn't change places with you ever. She does strike right. me as a, as a deeply unhappy person. Yeah. And so I just feel like, no, you're not the golden standard just because you're on a show that you were fired from or quit, right. whatever you want to say. 
I mean, you can spin that any way you want. You left on your own. Who cares? Yeah. But you're miserable. Yeah. And don't tell me you're not a miserable human being when you put your head down at the end of the day and uh, nobody wants to be you. Did you have any interactions with John that were positive or negative? <laughs> Did you get your dry cleaning done by him? Do you yeah, get Madam, your dry cleaning done whatever. by him as a New Yorker? Um, if John's dry cleaning was near where I lived, I would get my dry cleaning done with by him. I've had no bad interactions with John. I thought he was kind of a, you know, like I know there's lots of rumors out there on so many levels, but I, I never had anything bad with John. He was kind of like a happy-go-lucky guy every time I saw him. Okay. Love to hear it. You know? Okay. Let's, let's hard left turn pivot. I'm dying for your thoughts on Erica Jane. I really want to make sure we touch on this. I, I don't know if you've watched the most recent episode that came out last night. Um, I watched it this morning and I'm so curious as to how you feel currently. I know your feelings have shifted a lot on Erica and you've gone back and forth. So what is the current, you know, state of the union on your thoughts on Erica and her complicity or naivete when it comes to the lawsuits? Well, I didn't watch the latest episode. Okay. Yet. I have, I have gone back and forth. This, I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I have my own theory and I still am not convinced that it's not true. I still believe that it is possible that Erica came home one night and the lights were out and she mm -hmm. put the lights on and Tiago ran over to her and she pet the dog <laughs> and she went into the other room and that big dining room table that we've seen dinner parties at, she turned on the lights and sitting in the dark was Tom, whole bottle of wine drank. And she's like, what are you doing? Cause he's just sitting there in the dark and he's like, sit down. And she's like, you're scaring me. And he's like, sit down. <laughs> and then he tells her this whole thing and is like, this is what we're going to do. And she's like, well, you're the smartest lawyer I know, which I've said many times. So tell me. And he's like, you're going to, in two days, you're going to pick, you know, whatever news outlet you want, and you're going to make a statement that you are divorcing me, and you're going to leave, and there's going to be no burner phones, and we are never going to speak again. And, like, I think, I still think there's a possibility that Tom laid all this out and said, this is what you need to do. Because, like, the thing is, if something bad is coming for you, and then it doesn't come and you're like, oh, well, now it's nine months later. You, you think like now it's gone. So I think that this was looming. And then every time it was going to maybe surface, Tom was like, oh, it's not time yet. So like, I think that this plan, this is what I think that he's, I think he set a plan in place. And if they were a year ahead of it, it would have worked. She would have gotten a divorce, gotten money, you know, who knows then? Like if you get a divorce and you have all the money and like two years later, it comes out that there's this victims and like you're not tied to this man. It could have worked. This is what I think. And so that makes me think she didn't know anything. And that Tom is like, I'm 81. And yes, you could live to 100. You could live 20 more years. But I, I think it's his last act of love for Erica. Like, I am going to fall oh, wow. on the sword for you. This is, I do. I think that. That's and I'm not like a huge Eric. Like let me stick up for Eric. I just yeah. think there is a world in which that happened. And the only reason I could think that is like it's not like your husband made fifty thousand dollars and you were living like you made a million or a hundred thousand. And he, it's like there was so much money there in the 
beginning that what's the difference whether there's five private jets or three mm -hmm. like it's i don't think you really start to question every dollar at a certain level so it's not like your husband is like you know makes $150,000 and you have three private jets and your outfits cost you know $100,000 it's just I don't know. Right. I, I'm not right. sticking up for Erica. She could have known. She could have known. I just, I, I'm not convinced of it. Yeah. And I mean, and the only, oh, go ahead. Well, in the scenario you're painting, the vivid picture that you painted for us, thank you. She knows what's happened or she finds out what's happened. And then he lays out the plan for her to like escape. Yes. Okay. And, and part of that escape is her just vilifying him on the show is, you know, painting him as this person who did all these things wrong, which is, you know, probably true. Yeah, I think it's right. So, I mean, I guess, does that make it any better? Because at some point she knows and she hasn't rectified the situation, I guess, is what we're saying. But, I have two minds here. Go ahead. Yeah, no, and maybe she knew. Maybe she knew. I just don't know. She is smart enough to not be taking victims' money and then making songs like It's Expensive to Be Me and flag yeah. flagrantly flaunting wealth. That to me just seems like like she's just too smart to do that. Whether she's a sociopath and willing to do it or not is not – you know, I don't know. Um, so – so I would say that there's a part of me that thinks she didn't know. And that, like you said, like, you know, one private jet, three private jets, you know, she didn't really realize that the level of wealth they were at wasn't realistic for what he did. And she was in the dark. But then I think her behavior post, you know, all the narcissistic Instagram posts and the no mention of the victims, you would think that if she didn't know and then she found out and the plan was to vilify Tom, that there would have been this great public reckoning, right? Where maybe everything would have been deleted except for show promos and we would have only seen a very contrite Erica Jane. And even on the show, she wouldn't be highlighting her own suffering about the fact that she's only in a $2.2 million house now, you know, this humble bungalow that's like actually really cute. She would actually be just talking about the victims and how horrible it is and how she's going to cooperate and do whatever she can. Like to me, the attitude of someone who who is innocent is one of, okay, I'm going to do whatever I can to help this investigation because this is terrible. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like if it was really a plan, there would be no Instagram posts or, but at the same time, right. I mean, the other thing is when you're really innocent, you do the things, some of the things she's done. Do you see you what make I'm those saying? Mistakes. Like, it's like you'd be like, yeah, well, you'd be like, I don't give a fuck. I'll post anything on my Instagram yeah. because I'm innocent and mm -hmm. the truth always comes out. So you can, you're going to talk about That's me for the next four years, but I'm going to do whatever I want because eventually the truth will come out. Like I have nothing to worry about. Why wouldn't I post and sing about it's expensive to be me? This isn't my problem. It's my husband did this. What do I care? Like, don't chastise me for what this man did. Do you know if she has, if there's the potential that she could actually go to jail or prison? I mean, I had a bunch of lawyers on my Patreon and I forgot what they said, as crazy as that sounds, just because we also talked about Jen Shaw and I was just like 
that was the, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to have people back on because there seems to be so many developments in this case. I'm going to have to figure out where we go from here. Well, okay. Pivoting to New York, unless there's anything else on Beverly Hills that you want to talk about. No, I think that's good. I mean, Kathy Hilton is killing it and I do love her like everybody else does. Okay. Tell us, wait, your thoughts on Crystal mm-hmm, just before we move on. I don't listen. I think that as the audience, we just know right away, yes or no. You know, now you can change. Like I think Leo was an instant yes, and now we can talk. Yeah. And like a Tiffany Moon is an instant yes, and then you have these other people that are like, I don't, I, I don't think Crystal's gonna make, go very far. I don't think she's in it. For, I don't think it's gonna work. Oh really? Why? To me, she's just very unlikable. There's just yeah, there's nothing there. You know, I mean, tell me why she's going to last when like a Joyce Gerard didn't or a Carlton or, you know, even Eileen Davidson. I love, yes. but oh I my mean, gosh. it was obvious that she wasn't going to be, you know, like the long term. It's just Crystal's, it's, she's not going to make it. See, I she loved, might make it a second season, but she's not going to make it. I loved Eileen right. for her neutrality, for like her way, her way of blending in. But Crystal to me, just the way she's doubling down on this violating thing is just I don't. It's so unlikable, and it just I don't. I don't think it connects her to the audience at all. Yeah, and I just don't think. And like, even if this is a storyline, and she comes back, like, what's the long term plan? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like Crystal. I just don't see it. Like, I just don't see her being a housewife. Yeah, I mean that th- she's definitely one where it seems like the money is legit, and she doesn't need it either way. Um, so she's not probably not going to stoop to super desperate levels like a Bronwyn to try to right. to try to keep her place. She's just going to try to stay on by talking about you know the fact the, about the fact that she like eats brownies or whatever with her housekeeper right. and like well, works out in her backyard. And she doesn't have like the charm of a Kathy Hilton. Yeah, and I don't think she's going to get downright crazy. You know what I yeah. mean? Like when push comes to shove, right? Like I don't think she will do anything to stay on. And so, yeah, I mean, like the thing about doing anything to stay on is like, you need to be good at it. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I think like personally, I think like a Candace Dillard is great at it personally, Mm -hmm. like someone like that, where like, you don't know if this is them or if they're in on the joke and they know what they're doing. Like a Kenya Moore, like at the reunion, everyone's like, why did you care? (laughs) Why did you make such a big deal out of who Bolo slept with? And Kenya's like, well, that's my job. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Like Kenya Moore is a freaking genius. Like she does it. She knows what to do and it's natural. Yeah. You know, and you don't think she's doing it. Like she is doing it just because of the show, but you don't really think that. And it's not re- a Bronwyn just wasn't good at it. That's, that's the bottom line. Do you think Bronwyn Ramona is good, like, at, is good at it? Yeah. I yeah. think she's great at it. Yeah. I think she's phenomenal yeah. at it. Phenomenal. So give us your thoughts on Ramona in general as a housewife, because it was, you know, rumored earlier this week that she was fired. So very curious as to what you think. Well, and then, you know, the other rumor is that, you know, people are implying that like Leah put this out mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the press. Then I saw that like someone said Dorinda put this out to the press and Leah together. I mean, Dorinda and Leah are friends. I can tell you that. Right. Um, I think that... 
Ramona, first of all, I think that, let me say, with five housewives, I actually think no one is going to be fired. And I think they're just going to add somebody. That's what I think. Really? Well, Sonia too. Well, I did think that. I mean, now I'm like, because the ratings are so low and, you know, they, they moved the reunion. They are not filming the reunion for an extra month now. Do you know this? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Google it. Like whatever they were going to film the reunion, it's delayed. They're literally delaying it. I don't know if they're going to go and, back and try to change editing for the rest of the season. Yeah. They, they might. But because, because of that, they might try to shake things up. I think that Ramona is going nowhere next season. And I think that Ramona knows how it works. And I think that I mean, like, if you look at, like, the way Ramona handled Elise, who I'm friends with, like, she had to deal with it for the season, but Ramona was just like, it doesn't matter because Elise will never be back after the season. Like, just let it play out. Mm -hmm. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, I think Ramona really understands how it works. Yeah. And so I do not think Ramona is going anywhere at all. I think that, you know... Oh, the rumor is that Andy said, I've never seen a housewife have such a fall from grace when he was speaking about Leah this week. I don't know if that's true. That is the rumor that Andy said. That. I don't know if that's really Cause true. Because really people are it. turning on Leah. I think people have officially turned on Leah. Right? Because, because what? Like she seems to be like trying to just cancel her castmates and like turn the show into, or what? Like, what do you think? I don't know. I think that I've seen that a lot of people, I mean, and I've seen, I've seen nothing positive about Leah online personally. Like if you can show me something, I mean, in the beginning it was, Oh, in the beginning it was all, but I, I don't know. Or are people accusing Leah of being like a Broadway? Like, I think people don't buy her. I think people don't think it's authentic. I think that's what it is. To me, Leah reads as someone who, at the beginning of the show, her currency was, I'm cooler than all these housewives. I'm better like a than Carol you. Radzowell. Yeah, and I think that was fine for the first, season, the first season she was on or whatever. But now it's like, okay, now you need to actually try and establish some sort of friendship or relationship or else it's not going to work. I agree. And here's my thing. Like, if you really want to be rich and famous and be on the Upper East Side and have this life, that's okay. Just admit it. I don't buy, you know, I'm downtown and yeah. I'm like this, but like you're photographed at night on the Upper East Side with Tinsley. Like, I, I know that's your friend and everything, but like, I, yeah, I, I don't, I think it's like that people are calling bullshit, like that it's not authentic. Interesting. You know. I, I personally think that there's there's this second season housewife phenomenon where there's always the glow up, except for Sutton. Sutton seems to be just like actually um, not participating in that, which is I think interesting. Oh my gosh. And you'll love, there's an amazing scene <laughs> where we see Sutton's 18 year old uh, daughter uh, on this new episode, and it's she's kind of juxtaposed against um, Lee or yeah, Lisa Rinna's daughters because Sutton's daughter is like so pure, so Aww. she's like a, you know a French and history double major, and she's like just like extremely I don't know she, it's just like she's so innocent compared to Lisa's daughters, and it's just hilarious. Um, but anyway, this total tangent. I think that there's like a there's like this phenomenon where on the second 
the second season, these new housewives, they have this glow up and then they start to become quite contrived. And I actually started to happen to Carol Radziwill too. Like she started to become extremely narcissistic. It was just like, you know, selfies a hundred percent of the time, 24 hours a day on Instagram. And they just kind of lose the charm that they came in with because the, you know, you see the fame addiction really right. take root. Yeah. Right. And like, I'm, I'm starting to get nervous that that's hap- going to happen with Wendy Osefo on Potomac. Uh, we hate to bring this to you, but we are not Potomac watchers. Are we in trouble? Do we need to watch? No, that's fine. I, I had a feeling because you were like, you paused and you didn't mention anything. But no, that is totally fine. But to that point, that is why, like, here's the thing. I'm not shocked with anything Ramona is saying or doing this season on New York. I'm shocked that Ramona is doing and saying these things in front of the cameras. And that is why I think everything has backfired on everybody, on Leah and everybody, because Ramona is authentic. She is Mm -hmm, herself. mm -hmm. That is the great thing. Ramona is like, I don't want to fucking talk about race. So whether you, I'm not arguing the points. I'm just saying like you, I would think this is me that Ramona would not, that she would think that and she would say that in the privacy of her own home to Avery. And when she's at Mar-a-Lago in Florida, I would, I, I am okay with, but I am shocked that Ramona is just like, I don't give a fuck if there's cameras. I don't want to talk about yeah, this. Yeah. I don't want to talk about race enough already. And you know, this, and so Ramona is saying things not to be shocking. She's just honestly like, get out of my face. I don't want to talk about this. Right. So I'm shocked that she's being so open in front of the cameras. And you would think, because I think like they filmed this and Leah's like, oh, she's going down. Oh my God. And like, yet the whole world is actually coming to Ramona's defense. Well, I think there's just a lot of people that are feel like not necessarily have the same beliefs as Ramona, but that just don't want to, this isn't what they come to the Real Housewives of New York for. It's not yeah, for right. like, you know, PBS's conversation with the ACLU. Like that's not really the content they're, they're coming for. Right. Um, and I, you know, another cancellation backfiring, I think is Crystal to Sutton, because I think Crystal does think she's canceling Sutton yep. by saying Sutton violated her. And it's another thing that listener or viewers, excuse me, are really seeing through and not buying. That's the thing. Like, it's all going to bat. I mean, yes. Yes and yes. So, I mean, I I don't know. Like, I don't know. And I understand the other side of the argument, you know, with someone, you know, the other side of the argument, yes, is that people are going to say, like, you just take like an ebony or like a crystal, they're going to say like, well, then this is racist. Like the fact that people don't want to hear about this on TV. I'm not taking a side one way or another, but I just think for ratings, Bravo had this like plan and I don't think it's working obviously for ratings. So I don't know where you go from here. Like as they, as they cast Dallas now, and I don't know where you go. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that they're going to sit by, like, I think it's one thing that the OC had its worst season ever, but the ratings for the OC, the worst season in the history of housewives was way higher than New York and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff. I have a question for you, like generally about Bravo or about housewives. 
do you Lauren and I have sort of started to feel like housewives are just not bringing it like they used to you know there's not really one season that's incredible and let alone like you know multiple I mean there were times where both Orange County and Beverly Hills and New York were all so good is there a franchise that we're missing out on that's amazing or do you think just housewives in general are just not as good right now well I think that I really think, and okay, I think Salt Lake is one of the best, and having nothing yes. to do with Jen Shaw, I think that's certainly going to help. But I think Salt Lake was like the gift that we all needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And okay. so I think in two things, like we we are excited because it's a whole new show and it's like new people and it's really starting over. Yeah. But in a way, I think they it almost ruined it now because like, I think Housewives, if you think about it, it's on too much now, now that we have another, like another city. Mm -hmm. I think that if you really think about it, it's all the same. Yes, there's different dramas with Erica and Salt Lake and all this, but like, it's, it's all the same. It's the same type of women really doing nothing and like different things happen. And then you compare it to like a below deck, like below deck is really popular because like things happen. There's new, right. there's, new charter, yeah. there's new charter guests and it really is like life or death. You're at sea. And it's like, it's, it's like a new show, a new crew and like different. Tra- so it's like, and they're, they're going to work. So I feel like if you really think about it, it's the same thing with housewives. Like I think people are just, look, we've always had the, the like, the real world and the real world is gone. Like someday Survivor and American Idol and Housewives 2 will just be gone. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just think it's like people are maybe getting just bored of the formula. Yeah. Like yeah. it's the exactly. same. Well, and, and every new cast member has probably seen it or knows what to do. And the audience is always smarter than you think. And they can see right through that. They can see right through that. I yes. mean, that was Jen Shaw in the first season. That was Jen Shaw. Like. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I liked Jen Shaw. Watch. Yeah, I liked Jen Shaw for a minute. And then I was like, it's too much. It's- now, I had on my podcast, like when I had on like Meredith and I had on Lisa, they swear both that like that is Jen Shaw. Cause I'm like, I mean, I'm not convinced. And then, you know, it's like, that's my thing. Like, to me, Jen Shaw was, like, acting, and it wasn't natural. Yeah, I listened to that interview you did with Meredith, and Brooks Brooks was on too, right? Yeah. Yes. And I feel like they were extremely withholding. Like, it was was like they were, like, just kind of giving the party line. Like, they were not – like, I didn't feel like they – I was kind of frustrated with them as as in, you know – feeling for you as an interviewer because I just kind of felt like they didn't really give any tea in my opinion. It was like, Oh no, like things are fine. Like we're just like, you know, you know, things with Seth have never been better. And it was but just like, no, that's vulnerability her whole brand. At all. That's her whole well, though. And like, not for nothing. I mean, I love them dearly, but like, listen, I, I have a story about Heather and Terry when they were on my podcast. I, the day before I released their episode. There was an article like in Hollywood life and I read it and I was like, did they steal my audio? It was like the quotes and mind you, my show still went viral and got worldwide press way bigger than Hollywood life because of everything Heather said. But it was like the quotes were the exact same quote. So like, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't, but like, you know, like a Heather Terry uh, Meredith, like there's just some guests that are so 
media trained and you right. like know what you're going to get. You just know what you're going to get, you know? Right. And, yeah. and I mean, it, it's a lot of them and it's like, you just like, it's almost like I knew that, like you just know certain guests are not going to come and trash or just let it all hang out. They're just That's not. true. That's true. Totally. If they're not going to do it just, on a show, why are they going to do it for a podcast? Yeah. So it's like, they were exactly what I expected. I mean, I was thrilled to have them, especially, you know, since Brooks was there too. And that was like, whatever, but yeah. But yeah. I mean, that was Jen Shaw, but I just think it's like, it's too much housewives. I really think people are burnt out and it's not different anywhere. And like what really happens, yeah. you know? Like, if you think about it, like, you have, like, you have, like, a Luann or, like, a Teresa. Like, you have people that, like, there were so many things happening in their lives. But that's such a, it's such the rare exception. Like, most of these people, the production goes to them in Dallas and Jersey and, you know, Potomac and Atlanta and says, like, what do you have going on in your life? And then they come up with your storyline which is never really so interesting yeah. if you think about it. Like, yeah. what does anyone really have going on in their life? Well, we, I mean... We, we, like, just got lucky that Teresa got arrested and Luann fell in a bush and then she got arrested. And, like, <laughs> there's certain right. housewives that really just brought it, but, like, how, who really does have all that going on in their lives? Not many. It's true. It's true. If only we could go back to the days of Lori Peterson, you know, t- getting her son out of juvie. Those were, That was the golden era. Right. Um, like that was the golden era. And I just, I don't know if we ever could. No, we can't. We can't. It's like too, so I don't know. Maybe, I I don't know. Like is it time to end certain franchises? I don't know. Well, I think it's it's an existential threat to reality TV in general. It's because the contestants slash the, the stars or whatever, they know what, they know what their job is. Their job is to yeah. be dramatic and get a second season and dress cra- in a crazy way and get social media followers and become an influencer. And it's no longer like, oh, there's cameras here and they're filming our life and we don't know what this will be. And that was the magic. Like that really was the magic of the first couple seasons of Beverly Hills and New York. And it's truly some of like the best, I think, television there that's ever been created. I'm telling you, and like the best advice is because I always say if I got on a reality show, I would be there for the long haul. Like I would just know what to do. And like the key is like the key is just, I mean, to be authentic first and foremost above everything. Like as simple as that sounds, nobody is. Mm -hmm. Like you look at Bronwyn who takes it to an extreme. Yeah. Like you just like, it's a long road. It's a long road. Like the fame is there. If you think about it, like all you need to do is one season and that's it really. I mean, you have the fame after that, right? Like it's not going away. So why it's just like, yeah, there's, you, you have to, you have to make it seem effortless and you have to really be authentic and just let it all hang out. The minute you're contriving and like you don't want to be filmed a certain way, it's just that's it's all gonna fall apart. Yeah, right. Well, David, this has honestly been so fabulous. Thank you so much for coming on. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you about your podcast? Give us all the details. Yes. So 
It is a five-day-a-week interview show with all of your favorite Bravo celebrities, reality TV stars, and pop culture icons. Again, it's not just reality. Lots of music, lots of TV. Always will be a heavy slant towards Bravo just because that seems to be the world in which I live. And, you know, people that listen, I never said this, but the more I heard it, I was like, I get it. My interview style apparently is like I am, which I, I agree with this, like I am a wolf. I am a wolf in sheep's clothing and, <laughs> you know, we will start out nice and friendly and it will be friendly, but like, listen, I don't back away. If there's tea to get, I will get the tea for you. And I like breaking the fourth wall. Like, I don't really care what I saw on the TV. I want to know like the real deal of what was going on when this happened and that happened because I know how it works. So like, forget what I saw, like, where was Bravo, you know, when this was happening, where, you know, like, let's get right down into it. So I think that's why people like my show, because I will ask you the questions I need to ask. And it's Behind the Velvet Rope, which is, you could find it anywhere podcasts are found. And the best place on social media is Instagram, at Behind Velvet Rope. There's no that in the title, because Instagram hates long titles. <laughs> so it's at Behind Velvet Rope. And the next time I come back, we need to talk about Sonia Morgan, because oh we, we, we made <sighs> some statements, and we never really got into it. But it sounds like your feelings on Sonia are same yeah. to mine. I kept looking at the clock and being like, I need to release this man from our podcast, but I don't want to. So I can, yes, yeah. we would love to have you back to discuss more. Oh my gosh. There's just so <laughs> much. You are a, you know, a font of, of knowledge and, you know, really? Bravo, just everything. We will do it. I'll, I'll come back anytime you guys yes. want because you guys were fun and I could talk about this forever. And most people don't have an opinion on Sonia. That is anything other than like how wonderful and fabulous she is. And I'm like, you know, I mean, also, let's not forget, I know her in real life, too. But also, like, is everyone watching the same show that I'm watching? Like, mm -hmm. you know, so we have to talk about that next time. for Definitely. sure. Okay, we will. Thank you so much for coming on. Truly, truly, truly. Thank you. Oh, my God. You guys are amazing. Keep in touch. And, you know, I, I will be back anytime you want. Thank you. Bye, you guys. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at popapologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus' wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Katherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of the therapy group, and hosts of the Shrink Chicks podcast. 
Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout. Making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psycho babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how. And work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.